and CVP is going to turn to you, the importer, if something is not declared correctly, you're not complying with a regulation, they're gonna look at you. Not your supplier, not your end customer, not your broker, not your forwarder. Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, Andy. Another show. Hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's yes, been, uh, I'm excited. It's like it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's like we have published quite a few shows at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we're we're... I just wanted to let you know how a uh, little bit of a little uh, surprise here that we found out we're trending in Europe, believe it or not. We're trending in uh, Ireland and uh, Finland, Poland. <laughs> so apparently oh our show is, has that reach. <laughs> well, I will say that I've got some good friends over there. Not that it's necessarily my contacts, but I know that I have uh, literally circled the globe and some of the folks in the uh, International Chamber of Commerce um and and have met with several folks from all over the world over in in especially in europe and in the slavic areas and all but uh man that's fantastic so hello to uh ireland poland finland and anybody else that's over there please um download our show simply trade and uh and and tell us where you're at make a comment we would love to see uh some have some feedback yeah we would love to see that and uh, we would love to um hear from you if you leave a comment on any of the platforms i'm sure we'll get it leave it on twitter or wherever we're at just uh, reach out we'll be more than glad to give you guys a shout out but thank you thank you for your support out in europe that, that that's great and um yes i guess that's a little bit of a segue into our next guest um we're gonna be talking to adrian gonzalez um so he is from global alliance and uh, i've known him for a few years i known of him and and uh my clients where i used to be were were his clients you know he's a broker in the border there in uh, mccallan and um he's a u.s customs broker who has also a partnership with a mexican broker but um so as a segue like i said for the international shout out um he does a lot of work obviously with a mexican uh what used to be called maquiladoras are now uh, called uh, imex um so anyway um this show is going to be his recommendations 10 very specifically recommendations for importers into the United States, uh, specifically from Mexico to the U.S. Um, I don't know, Andy, I, I, in all my years of business, especially because of where I used to deal with, um, I used to see some challenges there between the two teams, the U.S. and the Mexican teams, kind of trying to coordinate with each other. I mean, one is a sister plant or the other. You know what I mean? And so, you know, so that I felt this show would be a good, a good, a good uh, segment for, for those listeners from, on both sides of the board. Listen, I'm looking forward to, to talking with Adrian. I, I can tell you that from personal experience that uh, I have been down to Mexico several times and took at one point a group of uh, industrial engineers with me because we, there were challenges from a manufacturer down there. <clears throat> and more specifically, this particular trip I'm referencing was uh, in Guadalajara. And, man, I got to tell you what. They're some fantastic people. 
that I got to beat down in there and all. But man, the food. and tequila, right? Oh, there and tequila. There you go, Adrian. And and the food. first thing I said was tequila. Sorry, uh, guys. Oh, no, hey, listen, I got to tell you, you started what, the show off right. And, well, and and thank you guys for the invitation. Right, it's great to be here. I think it's the first time I will be heard in Europe. So so thanks, Lalo. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> and thanks, Sophia, as well. Right. So. Awesome. Yeah. So awesome. let's get started. I guess you say you had some tips, right, for us, awesome. Adrian? Yeah. So, yeah. So I prepared this uh, uh, short presentation about my 10 recommendations for Mexican exporters, U.S. importers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure we can have a great conversation about it. I love, would love to, to hear what you think, Andy, Andy and Lalo. Uh, and my first recommendation is to have a good U.S. customs broker and consultant. That will be my first recommendations for U.S. importers, especially if you're getting started, right? I see a lot of people that they want to do it, but they don't have a good broker, right? Or they don't invest the time and the money in a good consultant to understand what they need to fulfill all the responsibilities that they need to fulfill when they are importing goods into the U.S., right? So if you get a good U.S. customs broker, what we will help you with is to make sure that you comply with regulations, right? With U.S. customs regulations, that your goods are declared correctly, classification, descriptions, ways, quantities, country of origin, that your merchandise is valued correctly. Valuation, that's a huge matter. You know, I, I hear almost every week a huge company having issues with valuation. That's how, how important it is and how difficult it can be. Also with compliance with other government agencies, that's another part that I, brokers, we need to help out. And also the correct declaration of any preferential tariff treatment such as USMCA. TMEC, right? It's not just because, you know, I got it in Mexico, so it's TMEC, right? Always USMC eligible. Not that easy, right? So we need to help you out with that. And of course, we also brokers need to help out with record keeping. So that will be my first recommendation, guys. Get a good US broker and a good consultant. What do you guys think? Well, that's excellent because one of the things we had a uh, guest on in one of our previous shows that uh, made a recommendation, obviously, you know, definitely have a good broker. And, and part of the deal with the broker uh, relationship, a broker-client uh, relationship is more than just your standard vendor-client relationship or vendor-customer relationship. It is a more intimate business relationship because that broker has to understand what you're striving for, what you're striving to accomplish, you know, what uh, what you declare, what you don't declare, that kind of stuff. But here's where the other important thing is. The consultant uh, is you need to be looking at a paid consultant versus somebody that you may know. They may be an expert acting as if they are a consultant or, you know, whatever. But they're do giving it to you free of charge. Um, that sounds fine, well, and good, but there's no liability on their part, nor yours. Uh, the liability, excuse me, is really more on yours as an importer. So to your point, if you don't have the expertise, it is highly recommended that you get that expertise and you pay for it. Just like, uh, an attorney or something else is that you need to, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you can pay a, a lower fee, but at the same time you need to pay somebody for that. 
I agree, Andy, and, and we hear a lot of times, and of course, you know, we're in the business of helping out, but many people, I, I believe, sometimes get confused when they hear what is the charge for an entry, right? And it can be X amount of dollars, you know, whatever. And they, they hear that, and then they think, well, awesome, this guy's going to help me with anything and everything I need related to my shipment. Right. And well, that's not true, right? I mean, we'll help with filing, we'll do the processing, we'll do everything that we need to do. But if you need to understand your HGS classification, your requirements, PGA requirements, evaluation, well, then it's best that you uh, approach your customs broker and or consultant and say, hey, I also need help. I need a few hours of your time. If you want me to charge me, please charge me because I want to understand and do this the right way. And then when you understand that, then you maybe you won't need that consultant because it will be, you have your same good, the same is repetitive, the same port, same same operation, then maybe you don't need it. But there's a difference, right? And, and I think that's important to understand. Well, and let me take this is that you're talking about it as a good customs broker and a consultant from a U.S. importer perspective. Is that what I'm hearing here? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And, what about, and, uh, yes. Well, well, let's let's talk about the Mexican exporter. Um, because exporting from the Mexico, it, it, I was surprised on my first visit down there. It's a bit more, uh, in, there. there's a bit more involvement or involved in trying to export from Mexico than just, you know, we're spoiled in the U.S., I got to tell you. So what do you recommend as far as somebody uh, exporting from Mexico? Definitely you need to, and it depends on the, your situation, right? If you are a U.S. importer, you're somebody, something that buying from a Mexican company, you need to have that agreement with the Mexican company that they, they're going to take charge and take care of the export proceedings from Mexico. Either have them commit to that, or if they don't want to or can't, then they, you need to figure out how to do the exportation. It, it, you need a company in Mexico to do the exportation. We have right. what is referred to as the comercializadoras or the trade companies that sometimes they can function as an exporter, but you definitely need it. So if you can have your supplier and your supplier has experience and they are able, able to be the exporter and take care of the export side of the business from Mexico, even better. From And from anywhere in the world, quite frankly, if you can get the export done, and you take care of the U.S. import side, that's best, in my opinion, Andy. All right, and, and now let me ask this, is especially out of Mexico, but, you know, this is uh, apropos anywhere in the world, um, if you are the exporter of record, being, you know, some countries require just like an importer of record, you're an exporter of record with some bonds tied to it and a, a, uh, a uh, you know, business registration number, whether it's, for you know, similar to an importer number and all that. Or uh, whether it's a bond or not, it's however the formality is, if you're listening on the paperwork as being the exporter, what that does is it's more than just saying, well, you're shipping the goods out. If you are the exporter of record out of Mexico, uh, you are establishing yourself as the uh, liable entity for any export taxes. Am I correct in that? Yes. Well, in Mexico, we uh, the big part of exporting from Mexico and importing to Mexico is uh, IVA, BAT, right? No value-added tax. So mm -hmm. that's a big part of it. And companies routinely need to talk to their accountants, especially in Mexico, because they need to know how to deal with those type of taxes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a company was uh, uh, very much amazed when they asked me, well, what about VAT on U.S. imports. And I told them, well, for the most part, uh, there are no VAT on U.S. imports. If you are eligible under USMCA, you pay zero. 
to CVP, right? You know, yes. the IRS, right. that's a whole different thing. But right. you pay zero to CVP and that's it. That's awesome. You know, I don't need to worry about that. No, you need to worry about it on the US side, but you do need to worry on that on the Mexican side on how you will move that VAT or that EVA around so that you're not in the pain it yourself. And, and if you don't, if you are able to compensate it with other other expenses and so on and so forth, you do it the proper way. So yes, and I, I agree that, that exporting to Mexico needs to be set up the proper way and uh, uh, don't and I suggest U.S. importers don't leave it for last because that's, I have shipments ready at the border and they have everything ready on the U.S. side and they say, well, we need to make the pedimento. My, my business partner need to do the pedimento and say, well, I don't have a Mexican exporter. And then we'll, I will not know what, what do we do? I mean, we, I, I can't move a truck from Mexico without a Mexican, Mexican exporter and a pedimento. For, for somebody that is new to the import export business, uh, or somebody that may be just looking at transportation, they don't really get into the uh, the uh, exporting and importing of uh, inter- of the international transaction. The pedimento in Mexico is the, is basically like, and I'm gonna again, I'm a dumb country boy here, Adrian, so I have to simplify things so I can understand it. Okay, so bear with me. The thing is, is that a pedimento for exports in this case would be similar to you're making an official declaration to the government, similar to that of an entry, but it's for export purposes. And then yes, it's a Mexican seventy five hundred one. We can yes, say exactly. it like that. Yeah, exactly. Mexican entry summary. Okay, that would be a way to say it. Yes. Okay, and it's because uh, the the Mexican entry for imports is the, it's called the same thing, and then it's a pedimento for imports. Pedimento, right? yes. Okay, yes. All right. yes. All right. Well, I, I can learn here, it looks like. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah. So, and, I, and I'll go to my second recommendation. Uh, uh, first, have a good broker, good consultant. That would be my first one. And that would be the first thing I would do if I, w- I went to start uh, importing to the U.S. My second is understand CVP's priority trade issues. What are the priorities that CVP is looking at? when they're dealing with imports. And I'll, and I'll say them, uh, the, the ones that are more most important in my opinion. Agriculture and quotas, one. Two, anti-dumping and countervailing duties. Three, the safety of imported products. Four, intellectual property. Five, revenue. Six, textile and apparel. Seven, free trade agreements and special programs. And I will add, add as well, Trade remedies there, of course, that's in, in within anti-dumping and countervailing duties, and more recently, forced labor as well. So I would say all every U.S. importer needs to be aware of what is the main focus of CVP. That's not everything, right? I mean, CVP looks at everything that's pertaining to the import, but those are the main priorities. And if you have a product within one of these categories, uh, you need to have special care in making correct declarations and you need to be very very well aware if you're subject to anti-dumping the trade remedy that you pay properly that you have a good determination of country of origin so that homework needs to be done even prior of someone attempting to import to the u.s that would be my second recommendation oh adrian you have hit the and, nail and this, this, on the we'll, head we can buddy. take six hours and they sign up well, well <laughs> now but I, it's like we've had other shows where we've uh i actually gone into a bit more detail about anti-dumping countervailing duties we've talked about you know your your classification classification of uh, items we've talked about uh vetting your your uh, uh, suppliers, your your products, and things of that nature. So all that is so good. But the, here's here's the most important thing I think you said out of all of things you just referenced because there's a lot of complexities of this. 
do your homework ahead of time. Don't wait till that product is ready to cross the border um, because it may get stuck. It may, it may be too late. Um, there's some things you need to check out. So if you're an executive to our audience, if you're an executive of a company, you don't need to necessarily get bogged down in as you're managing things, leading things in your company uh, <clears throat> with how all the transactions are, are completed for an international transaction. Now, you got staff to do that. But you've got to be aware that you need to be asking your staff, are you proactive or reactive? And anymore in this realm, you got to be proactive. And, Adrian, you just talked about it. Do your homework ahead of time. And if there's questions on that, hmm, you just mentioned, go to your broker, go to your consultant, ask the questions, and, you know, work smarter, not harder in that realm. Definitely, I agree. And, and that's something that, you know, it's important that all importers take into account, that they take it seriously, because we are in an environment that has more complexity in international trade. International trade has become much more complex, in my opinion, since uh, 2016, more or less, right? We have more trade remedies, more the application, more anti-dumping, more countervailing, more now we have forced labor. We have a new law on forced labor that is very complex. So it's the time for all us executives in, in, in trade to shine, right? We have a lot of work, a lot to give. So that, that would be definitely my, my, my second recommendation. Uh, my third, Andy, and I know you already touched uh, on this, correctly define exporter, importer, logistics, and delivery aspects, right? And I, I know we've mentioned this already, uh, but definitely, you know, you need to have a, a Mexican exporter or an exporter anywhere in the world. You need to see who's doing what, who's paying for what, and that usually encompassed in INCO terms. You need to have that defined. And some sometimes uh, people ask me, well, who, who needs to be? The U.S. importer, well, it depends, you know, what's, what is your agreement? The U.S. importer uh, is the only party that can enter merchandise, and this usually can be the owner, buyer, seller. So can a Mexican company set themselves up as a U.S. importer? Yes, they can. Does your customer in the U.S. be the U.S. importer? Well, yes, they can because they're either the buyer or the seller. So both in this example, both parties can do it. The matter is, well, get an agreement, right? Agree that with your customer. Don't leave it up in the air because you may be surprised at how some companies say, well, no, no, no. I, I agree to buy your product, not to be the U.S. importer. Or I agree to buy it at this price, but not pay the duties. So, and I, and I want it here in my factory in, uh, you know, McAllen, Texas. I, I don't, I don't want to pick it up in Monterrey, Mexico or Guadalajara. So that's, I think that would be my, my definitive recommendation. Well, with that, the way I summarize that is the, you know, Make sure you're clear and define who the parties to the transaction are, and especially who's going to then who are the parties to the international transaction. So you know, again, there's the uh, a manufacturer may be selling to somebody else there in Mexico. In this case, as we're talking about that, that would be considered a Mexican domestic transaction. Okay, fine. Now that Mexican um, party that bought it is now selling to the u.s so they act actually technically are part of the international transaction they're the seller and or possibly exporter and then the importer and things of that nature so to your point define the parties of the transaction but you hit on something else and i'm sure it's probably one of your other bullet points uh who's paying for what and make sure you know the inco terms for those again that's the international commercial terms of sale so as we're talking about that, <clears throat> a three-letter code 
that is called an incoterm can determine very quickly as you're looking at your paperwork who should be paying transportation charges, who should be paying the uh, entry fees and import and duty, uh, duties and taxes in the destination country, who's responsible for what for the exports, all those kinds of things. And it makes a difference, and we can get into scenarios on that, but it's like you need to know who's paying for what and, uh, and who the parties to the transaction are. Definitely. And if you d- decide uh, you're able to be the U.S. importer, just know that, of course, you need to register with U.S. Customs and you, you are now responsible in CVP's eyes for everything that's being declared. Right. So that's a very big responsibility that uh, someone takes. And, and of course, people do it all the time. I mean, it's, uh, you can do it, but just understand that you have a big responsibility and CVP is going to turn to you, the importer. If something is not declared correctly, you're not complying with our regulation, they're going to look at you. Not your supplier, not your end customer, not your broker, not your forwarder. Okay, so I think that's another that's another item that is important. Well, and to your point, again, is we're defining the parties of the transaction. The one thing, the U.S. allows for a non-resident importer. So a non-resident importer of record, basically. So you were talking about... A uh, Mexican company can be an exporter out of Mexico and officially recognized as the importer of record into the U.S. as a non-resident importer. But the uh, the buyer, if you will, the U.S. buyer, the end buyer in this case, uh, would still be listed as what's called the ultimate consignee. So they're still going to be uh, uh, declared to customs as the importing entity, if you will, person causing the import. doesn't mean they're importer record, but they're going to be still listed that way. Yes, and I think that's a very interesting aspect of U.S. customs regulations, which I don't think it's available in, in many other countries. I mean, I don't think that's possible in Mexico, for example, for a foreign entity to be the Mexican importer. I don't think that can be done. I don't know about Europe. Maybe our Europe listeners can, can let us know. I mean, in the comments, can somebody do that in Europe? You know, Can a, can a U.S. company well, be the importer record in Europe? You can, uh, you can you know? do some things like that, Adrian, but I can tell you, here here's the thing. <clears throat> Even within the U.S., you, if you're a non-resident importer of record, you still have to have what's called a serve-to party, similar to the, in Mexico. Yes, so, an agent, exactly. I mean, an agent uh, that's uh, acting on your behalf so that if there is a penalty, if there is an issue, if there's something that comes up, that customs will send that to your serve-to party in the U.S., and they, in turn, will then get with you as a non-resident to follow up on. Um, and there's similar similar regulations in, in many countries in Europe. Um, again, the scenario also comes back to uh, you've got to look at it. Is that the smart thing for you to do as a non-resident, no matter where you're going? So, Yes, definitely. I agree. Uh, and that's a very important aspect of, of uh, importing, right? If you're the importer, then you're responsible. Make sure you have uh, everything in check. Uh, my fourth recommendation. Now, this is a. It could. It, it is a. Well, every item here is a big one, right? I mean, we're trying to, you know, make this uh, a 30-minute uh, podcast, so we're kind of going through them. But I think it's important to mention that, of course, you also need to know CVP requirements, right? The main requirements, in my opinion, we start with the concept of reasonable care. Right. Anytime you are making a declaration to CVP, uh, you as a party need to exercise what is referred to as reasonable care, providing 
write correct information regarding mainly, mainly among other things, classification, valuation, payment of duties, admissibility, and also statistical information. Something that people say, well, if, if, if I'm paying duties or no duties at all, what does it matter if I use the wrong HDS? What does it matter if I made a mistake on the country of origin? It does matter because it is statistical information and that matters as well. So everything revolves around this, of course, you know, you need to make classification of your goods. You need to have an import bond. You need to determine the country of origin and mark your goods with the country of origin at a minimum. And depending on your product, you may have more items or more aspects that you need to label or detail in your product, right? You need to pay duties, tax, and fees correctly, right? Uh, and that, Andy, well, that, that, in, that encompasses this recommendation. My fourth recommendation, definitely know and tackle correctly your CVP, CVP requirements. Definitely very important. Sounds good. I mean, I'm right there with you, and just know your basics as you're going through. Make sure your paperwork is uh, correct. Uh, it reflects all of that, too. Yeah, man, and I can also uh, uh, make an emphasis on valuation. I see a lot of companies that have issues with valuation, especially when they are related parties. These related party yes. transactions makes valuation much more complex. You know? And this is, as Lara was saying, this is very common in the maquiladora industry because the Mexican factory is related to the U.S. importer. The, the, the parent company has a plant in Mexico. And valuation becomes much more difficult, right? Now, if you're not related, you're buying something from somebody that is in that somewhere in the world, then usually you go with transaction value. That tends to be easier. But once you're talking about related parties, we need to be careful. How are you doing it? Is the relationship affecting the price? Is there even a sale? And if you don't have a sale, then that, you know, you need to, that's possible, nothing illegal about it, but you need to have a good process for the declaration of correct values to CVP. I'll definitely make an emphasis on that. And the end, Definitely the correct determination of country of origin, especially in this current environment. Companies need to do a right analysis, that, which is usually based on substantial transformation of the country of origin of their goods, because then that can take us to additional duties, that can take us to additional requirements, uh, anti-dumping. Well, anti-dumping, countervailing, we need to look at the case, right? That also very complex. So I would say that is the, the basis of a good declaration. Definitely valuation, country of origin, classification, very important, I think. You're hitting the nail on the head on so many good basics. I will say regarding valuation, too often people will just, uh, they're, they're trying to uh, cut the price, just put, you know, just put $50 down or whatever it is, trying to avoid the whole thing. It's like, man, that's, it's just not worth that. Make it sure it's accurate. However, saying that, <clears throat> there are uh, actions you can take that a lot of times companies will uh, declare too high a value because they may be looking at the uh, – in price that is uh, the retail price of a of a widget that's being sold but yet you've got a manufacturer to a distributor and then the distributor selling to you know maybe a retail store and then they in turn are going to mark it up the the issue there is what is the value of uh, when it crosses the border the international transaction at that time not on down the road from it and not up the road from it the point being is what is the correct value? And you should be looking at this from a standpoint. It's okay to try and avoid taxes. Now, hear what I said. Avoiding taxes legally is fine, and it's there's nothing wrong with that. 
but trying to cut corners illegally and missed by misdeclaring uh, values and 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 country boards and all those things. That's going to get you in trouble. So there's the scenario there, and looking at it, and again, that's where I come back to your first point. Good broker and a good consultant will help you navigate what's appropriate, what's your tax liabilities, and what would be the appropriate values as you go through. I agree. I definitely uh, agree with you. And the valuation is the process of determining the value for the purposes of paying duties, tax, and fee to customs. So that's the process of valuation. Doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to sell the good for. Doesn't necessarily mean that what you paid for it. It means what you need to declare for customs purposes. So that can make it uh, complex in a sense, right? I know we know Apple imports iPhones from China. They're not paying duties on the $1,000, $2,000 they charge for the iPhone. They pay on the proper valuation of the iPhone, which is, I'm not sure, 400 500 bucks. I don't know, maybe. You know, So that's a yeah. difference there. And, and, and of course, that becomes uh, much more complex uh, in my opinion, when we're talking about related parties. So definitely something to keep in mind. Good. What's your next and, part? And I will go. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my fifth recommendation, uh, and this is also a huge one, right? But we'll, we'll summarize, I'll summarize it. Understand requirements of other government agencies, right? So we have more than 50 government agencies that can regulate the importation of a good, depending on the good. Sometimes your good does not have other requirements. Sometimes they have uh, requirements from, from a few government agencies. So that's another thing that the importer needs to figure out even before they attend to import a good. I mean, there are many items here, but if I can say that the ones that I believe are most common, at least in my experience, of course, FDA, EPA requirement, CPSC recently is uh, scrutinized and imports much more, in my opinion, USDA, of course, uh, DEA, uh, Alco Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, especially, you know, we're talking about Guadalajara, a lot of good tequila, well, there's additional requirements on tequila, of course, yes. uh, and EPA, when we're talking about more vehicles and anything with an agent anything that emits can emit uh, uh, pollution well EPA will step in as well very important in my experience we brokers sometimes we feel that regular CP requirements you know piece of cake uh, well not piece of cake but there we, we can deal with them but when we're talking about PGAs partner government agencies it can get very 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 technical sometimes we don't even have the answer we know that there are requirements we know that you know you're talking about medical device and Adrian, what do i need to to import a medical device oh man i mean i do i do know that you have requirements from fda but the exact specs and the process and this and that will i will suggest you go to again well my first my first point a good fda consultant in that instance right because it can get very very technical and very complex well definitely i mean you're you're Right on the money. FDA is a whole nother animal to itself. If you're doing anything that would be considered medical, um, well, food, drugs, uh, as, as we just mentioned. The other is is that if it is anything that is uh, that it's like a lotion or cosmetics or you know goes on your skin in your body or you're ingesting it and things of that nature, you it's a whole nother thing. Um, Fish and Wildlife is another agency that you, you didn't mention there that uh, there's a lot of products that come out of Mexico, obviously, that there's some exotic leathers and, and uh, products uh, made with some uh, different animal products that uh, Fish and Wildlife then comes into play. 
I agree. Very important, especially in the concept of Mexico, because, you know, we love our Mexican food. We love our Mexican products. And a lot of it is food, a lot of it is food, candy, you know, so we, all importers need to remember that there will be additional requirements. And the message from FDA is, you know, whatever requirements we have for domestic goods, we have the same requirements for the importation of goods. So we're trying, they're trying to protect us, U.S. consumers. They want to keep us healthy. So that's the message, right? So anytime somebody wants to import, well, they need to figure out, well, what does a U.S. producer need to comply with? You need to comply generally with the same thing, right? Same requirements. Yeah. And of course, while we're talking about certain goods, it can get more complex than that. But of course, you know, a good broker, a good consultant, We'll definitely catch you through that. Hey, Andy. So obviously we're barely at five tips and <laughs> we're, we're yeah. at about 20, 25 minutes here. I mean, we have a lot of great tips here. So let's um, we'll wrap up this show here and continue um, later in the week. That way we yeah, can. We, we, um, it, this this was a good discussion for the first five tips. The next uh, six through ten are going to be uh, uh, really good as well. But, uh, yeah, there, there's so much packed into this, it's hard to try and condense it. So um, hopefully everybody's gotten a lot of good uh, challenges and thoughts uh, out of this first show. And definitely the second one is uh, even uh, even more challenging, I think. Uh, so don't miss it. So uh, we'll end it here for now, I guess, Lalo. And we'll go on right. to uh, the next one. The next one, yes. Okay. See you in a bit then. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situation. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.